your host, Kimberly Levy. You guys, today I have Lindsay and Ryan Goldman on the show with me. I am super excited to have you guys. How are you? We're great. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. I cannot wait to dive into your story. So guys, I was so moved just meeting through mutual friends and speaking with both of you guys and meeting your adorable son. I was so moved by the story that from, I don't know, maybe a year ago, if that long, I was like, I need to have them on the podcast. And then I saw the project that was going on and I'm like, oh, we've got to get this word out. So with that, thank you so much for just joining me and for sharing the story that you're about to share. Can you talk a little bit about your son? So how old is Skylar? Skylar's five years old. Oh, he's so cute. Long story short, we had a very typical perfect pregnancy and everything just went south during labor. And um, after two and a half days, um, we had emergency C-section. He was not breathing and had to be resuscitated. And a few hours later, Ryan and Skylar were airlifted to Children's Hospital. And we were apart for five days. The first couple of days were touch and go. We didn't know if he was going to make it or not. And he pulled through and 45 days later, we left children's hospital and came home with severe brain damage and lots of unknowns. And as he grew up, more things kind of came to light. He is epileptic and he has quadriplegia cerebral palsy, which affects all four of his limbs. Um, he's globally delayed. He feeds via a G-tube and he is beating the odds. He is a little medical miracle baby and he's proving everyone wrong. And he still has a lot of issues we deal with and a lot of challenges ahead of him, but he is right now thriving and loving life. Wow. Well, that was incredible that you could summarize it like that. So Can we dive in? Can I double click into it and poke around there a little bit more? Absolutely. Okay. So, so this was your first pregnancy, totally normal, as you said, and then you were at the hospital in delivery. Was he full term or was he born early? Full term. Full term. Okay. You go in, you have your labor pains, you're, you're sitting there in labor and you're not progressing. You said for two days. Correct. Okay. Got it. So then they put you into C-section. Was something happening throughout the two days or you just weren't progressing? Um, I wasn't progressing. And eventually I just said like, can I have a C-section? I had no birth plan. I just wanted a healthy baby Mm -hmm. and I was over it. It was getting just too long, just didn't seem right. And it was scheduled. And then all of a sudden, you know, these doctors run in and I get pushed into the OR quicker than I should have he should have been delivered a few hours earlier. Now we come to find out, but it just went from calm to chaotic in one second. We just had our baby London, who's four months old. And after they broke my water, she started to have rapid heart decelerations, which apparently is very common when they break your water because it's a rapid change in the environment. I didn't know any of this. Nobody ever briefed me. I had no idea. And they almost, same thing. They, the team rushed in and, and then- if it wasn't going to come back in a matter of one or two minutes, they were prepping the OR. Is that how, is that what happened with you guys at that time? We didn't know at the time, for some reason, our heart monitor was muted, which 
I didn't think anything of because I've never had a baby. So I didn't think of needing right. to listen to it. Um, but yeah, his heart rate decelled under 60 beats per minute for over eight minutes. Okay. So that's extremely low. So we found this all out after the fact. Right. And it's interesting because, so I delivered at Cedars and they said to me, cause like you, I had no idea what was going on, uh, when they all rushed in right. and I was figuring out in the process that there was something with the heartbeat being, I didn't know what was happening. And, um, the doctor later, I asked him, I said, you know, like, how long can you wait? Like how much longer did we have? And he said, I, by eight minutes, if we do not have it back, we are in the OR and I get that baby out in a minute. Mm -hmm. And because previously they said 15 minutes, the latest, but he said, you start to have damage past, you know, you start to get, it starts to get sketchy, but it was just odd. It's like, well, why am I just being you know, educated about this, like after all this happened and come to find out so many of my girlfriends had this issue in labor and I never knew about it. And no one ever told me because no one talks about it ever. They talk about how you have to breastfeed and how having babies are amazing and everything's perfect. And right. Don't worry about it. That's what they do. No one talks about it. Yeah. Amongst a laundry list of so many other things, right? Correct. So, okay. So that's really fascinating because see, when we first met, I didn't have that experience yet with my first two, I ne- that never happened. So now that that happened, I know exactly what you're talking about. So that happened. So then they took you to the OR. Oh yeah. I was rushed in. They didn't, they yep. wouldn't let Ryan come with my doctor wasn't even there. Yeah. And how come you had mentioned that they probably should have done it even a couple hours sooner. Is that because he kept having heart deceleration selling, yeah okay yeah, and again you didn't know oh I had no idea they don't tell you we yeah just, we were just chilling there like hanging out listening to music no idea yep totally I could totally see how how this all went down now okay right. so then they so then they you're in the OR and then what happens oh god it was just pure chaos lots of screaming Ryan wasn't there I just I obviously knew something was wrong I was trying to just stay calm just breathe, like right, right. don't move. Um, finally the doctor came and they finally let Ryan in and he was stuck, but his head was stuck between my pelvis and the cord. And that's what caused a lot of damage. It was pinched. So they pulled him out from his feet because they, they couldn't get him out any other way. And this is after they cut you open. Correct. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. He was jammed in there. So they had to pull him out. Obviously I didn't see this, but the NICU team was there. They're rushing him out. I can't obviously see anything. I just keep saying, you know, he's not breathing and Ryan's trying to tell me it's going to be fine, but he can see it's not fine. Um, yeah, it was, it was like a war zone, like all the sounds. I mean, I just went into Starbucks the other day and like they're beeping from making their food like triggered me. I'm like, I can't even go into a Starbucks because I hear this, these sounds and it's like, it brings me right back. So I support right. drive throughs <laughs> I also do for other reasons. I would imagine the therapy that you have to endure now, this is PTSD now, basically. That oh, you yeah. Have to with. oh yeah. Oh yeah. I have had years of therapy. I did EMDR therapy and now I just work out in box and that helps me let out any anger and frustrations I still have. Wow. And you shared with me, 
you know, that this has also clouded your ability to want to have more children. Is that right? That is correct. I recently had surgery, so I will never have children again. Wow. Yeah. Well, but I feel relief now it's just over with and I can move on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I look, I know that this is obviously very upsetting for you guys to have to relive. So I appreciate you sharing it, you know, and I think it's so important for people to be aware also just because your story could have been my story. I mean, it can be be literally anybody's story. Mm -hmm. So I think it's super important just to like share that. Look, when you see someone that might not look like your child, like you don't know what happened with them. You have no idea what the, what is all genetics. Right. And that could have been you in a heartbeat. So, and this is where I always like to come from a place of compassion because it's like, we do, I know people don't want to ask the questions because they don't want to offend you and they don't want to say the wrong thing. And I get that, but But I'd rather educate them than them judge or assume or, you know, they, they need to know people, you know, I now have a big community of disabled moms, you know, friends whose kids are disabled. And a lot of them are birth injury stories. It's not, you know, um, something that happened in utero or, you know, things hereditary. And yes, those things do happen, but, um, this new community I'm, you know, incorporated with, I could say a lot of it's birth related injuries that hundred percent could have been prevented. That is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And by the way, you use the term disabled. Is that the correct term? If you're referring to a condition like this or like what, how does someone refer to this? Because from someone that is not in it, it's like, you don't want to say the wrong thing. You never want to offend somebody or hurt anyone. I mean, a lot of people say special needs disabled. A lot of people in disability community think special needs is not appropriate because they're not any more special um, they're, they're just a human being. Um, so I would say the majority of people prefer the word disabled and there's nothing wrong with saying I'm a disabled kid for saying I'm a special needs child. Okay. Okay. So I typically say disabled. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. So, so you go through all of this and the aftermath, I'm sure, I'm sure there was a lot of pain and anger and also just straight like how do we now what right right oh yeah I mean I had a job I had daycare lined up and your life just stops because you don't know are we gonna leave the hospital okay great check we left the hospital now what we've never had kids I never babysat I don't have younger siblings so this was very new to me I mean just like most people and you just have to put your big girl pants on and go with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, bringing home a child for anybody again, I just did it again. And look, it was my third and I was still, I I was, I was still struggling, right? We were all still struggling because it's a new human. You have no idea who the human is and how to care for it. You know, there's right person is different, but then to layer on, you know, that there's other issues there that you definitely were never coached on. How do you, so I'm sure there's resources where there are people coming to your house to help you like extra, like where do you get guidance to start caring for this sweet young child and figuring out what to do? And like, what does that look like for you? We have an incredible pediatrician and I was at her office multiple times a week for the first year. 
and she kept me sane through all of this. And her friends at UCLA, I, I, we just have a really great team. She is the leader. She's the, she's the head of our team and you have to have a good team behind you and you have to have a good spouse that supports you and, you know, friends that check in on you and you just kind of take one day at a time because every day is different and there's new challenges every day, but you just, you have to deal with them. It's just life. You have to deal with them. Yeah. And of course you just want to support your son. I mean, you just want to make everything as easy on him and, you know, joyful as possible, just like all of us. Right. But for you, it's that extra, extra effort. And by the way, what is that community that you plugged into? If say there was down the line, someone listening that they found themselves in a similar situation, like what are the communities that you like to be plugged into or where they could maybe reach out? Well, I think it depends on what condition your child has. So Skylar, his brain trauma is called hypoxic isemic encephalopathy or long for HIE. Um, So there's a group called Hope for HIE. And it's a really great community that people can connect with each other, different moms. And just like autism, HIE has a huge spectrum, you know, a mild case, a moderate case, severe case. So there's not just like, every child's different. They can all have the same diagnosis and every single one be totally different. So that was a great community for me. And we also got connected through regional center really quickly. And so he started therapy, you know, we got home at 45 days and we had intake come the next day and he started therapy the next week. So having really great therapists that you can talk to and they can connect you with different parents Um, or different resources. I mean, they're like my second family. I mean, some of them have been working with Sky since he's eight months old and he's five and a half. So it becomes like your second family. And the hospital linked you up with that therapy service, like a social worker or? um, You do get social workers in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, We just contacted regional center on our own because we don't have patients to wait for other people to do things for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Ryan, Ryan handled all that stuff intake came the day after we got home and we started that therapy journey immediately. Wow. That's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing all of that kind of backstory. And, um, you know, one thing I noticed when I first met you is that the way that you were feeding him was different than I had seen. Can you just speak a little bit about that? And I want to, again, share this so that if people or their children are out and about and they see somebody eating differently than we're used to, they're not like freaking out, you know, and they can maybe explain it to their children or, you know, have that discussion as it comes up. Yeah. So he's got a G tube in his stomach and I connect an extension And I put his blended food in syringes and I just syringe feed him. Um, I give him water through his G-tube, medicine, everything. So he's always hydrated. He is growing and thriving. He is starting to learn how to swallow and chew orally, but that's where a lot of damage was. So he never breastfed. He never was able to take a bottle because he just, he didn't have that mechanism. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, we've gone through different ways of feeding him. We had a pump for a while. We did gravity feeds where you kind of hold the syringe up and have gravity, you know, bring the food down. And then now we just syringe feed. 
but oh yeah, you get stares, but I'm also not afraid to call people out. Um, really? Have you ever had oh, yeah. to? You... I sure have. There really? was a gentleman at Costco in Simi Valley and it wasn't like an interesting stare. It was like a very aggressive stare for like multiple minutes. And I asked him, you know, what are you looking at? Do you have any questions? Like I'm more than happy to answer them, but stop staring at me. It's really annoying. There were other words that were said, but I won't repeat them on here. And he didn't want to know. And he just walked away. Um, but I'm more than happy to explain to anyone. It's really not a big deal. So many of the kids think it's cool. Oh, okay, whatever. They just brush it off. It's usually adults who are judgmental. Um, and that's where their kids become judgmental because they learn from their parents. Yes. I love that. And you know something, I had a, two sobering occurrences with my children that really made me think twice about being a parent. And this is where this discussion is so important for any parents out there listening is like, we do have a real responsibility, just like we have a responsibility to talk about diversity as far as race, religion, and all of those, and you know, gender, sexual orientation, all that other stuff that's going to come up as a parent. There's also people out there that have been either born with health issues or conditions or that they've had to face. And so one time what happened with our children was we were at the grocery store locally here at Ralph's and there was a female that didn't have an arm and my kids, you know, my kids are at this time, four and five. And all of a sudden I'm checking out, I hear my son screaming and they're screaming, Oh my God, she doesn't have an arm. She doesn't have an arm. They're screaming. I mean, hysterically screaming. And by the way, my kids are very tender. I have to tell you, they're very tender hearted, both of them. So they were not saying it to make fun of her or to be malicious in any way, shape or form. They just right. were shocked. They had right. never seen this. Oh, right. And it's not course, a typical everyday occurrence. Exactly. And so this is where I went, oh, well, first of all, I pulled them aside and I said, you know, you do not shout at someone like that. That person has been through enough, enough problems. They have faced enough heartache you most certainly will never make it worse, you know, and I kind of yeah. scolded them. Right. And I had a whole discussion about it. And I was, you know, thinking if that were me or my family member, I'd be so upset, right? Like that yeah. somebody just did that. And so as a parent, it's like, I can't just sit back and scold them. I now have to educate them and let them realize that, look guys, you know, this is something we need to address. Not everyone's the same. Exactly. And there, you are going to see that there are people out there that do not look like you. They do, they might have a health issue. They might not have hair, you know, they might have all different things that come up. And I tried to give some really good examples. And I said, what you will never do though, is judge them. You will never scream anything. You will never harass. You will never bully. You will do nothing, but be completely proactively kind and supportive. And you will treat them exactly like everybody else, yeah. you know? And, but it just is like, I wasn't prepared as a parent. Right. I get it. I mean, I wasn't prepared for this either. I get it. It's, you have to just figure it out and you figured it out. Yeah. And that's why when I saw you feeding sky, I was like, can you tell me about that? Like, what, right. what exactly are you doing? And yeah. like, how does it work? And, you know, do you, first, do you mind me asking, yeah. you know, 
And, um, cause I think I had like offered you a slice of pizza or something or, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, like what, what am I doing? Like, I don't want to be offensive. Like what, what is it? Tell me right. so that I know. And that's totally okay. Like I would prefer that all day, every day versus these horrific stares. Like I'm abusing my child. Like my child eats better than anyone else. So he's healthier than any of you. <laughs> oh, I bet you're like handcrafting every single thing in his body and you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. you're going through it like with a fine tooth comb, I I'm sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think that, I think the takeaway for listeners here is like, look, if you see somebody that looks different and again, it could be a young person that is missing hair because they're undergoing chemo therapy, or, you know, it could be anything. It could be a person with a missing arm. It could be someone with a different kind of head or face or whatever the case may be. I think, you need to take it as a moment to remember, to pause and educate your children about, you know, why does this person look different? Whether you know for sure exactly what it is, or, you know, generally that it's something different and like educate your children to say, you know, coach them on what are they, what should they do? And what shouldn't they do? I mean, so just be friendly and say, hi. Yes. Be normal. Right. Just say, hi. Like you don't have to even talk to them. Like you know, a lot of people, when you walk by each other, you just like put your hand up and say, Hey, like, just do that. Right. You don't have to say, Hey, what happened to your arm? Right. They might not want to talk to you, but just like, just say hi. Exactly. Just kind of goes such a long way. Absolutely. Versus in awkward stare and stay away from this person. Like what right. are you doing? Like be human. Okay. Exactly. I love that. I love it. Okay. So then so you guys have not just stopped there. This is where we get into the really, really cool stuff. So here you are, you obviously have adjusted to your new normal. You're taking obviously above and beyond impeccable care of your son. And I'm sure there's been so many tears and just so many things that go on over this period of time until now. I'd really like to get into how you guys are rolling up your sleeves and becoming proactive. Can you tell us a little bit about the project that you've been working on? Oh yeah. This is, this is Ryan's. Come on, Ryan. You did, you did great in describing all that. I had tears in my eyes, just welling up and whew, it's emotional. And just remembering, just going back those five years and talking about how difficult things were. Um, so being in a, in a space where we have a disabled child, things feel a lot different. Nothing goes according to plan. Even a daily outing, going to the store, going to the park, going to visit family members, everything became more difficult. And we were trying to, to incorporate our new normal. And, and you know there were so many challenges that we were trying to overcome as a family. We got to a point where we wanted to do something positive, not only for our son, Skylar, but also for the people that are in the same community that are dealing with the same kind of heartache, the same kind of medical status as we are, you know, living with a disabled child is really difficult. So we decided where we live in Agora, there was, there's not a lot of great parks, playgrounds to be more specific. And we found ourselves traveling all over Southern California to try and find a playground that really worked for Skylar because he's dealing with mobility challenges at, for, for you know a year or so, he had a walker 
when he was learning how to walk. You know, doctors said he would never learn how to walk, but he did. And he learned with a walker. And a walker doesn't work with wood chips. It doesn't work with sand. It doesn't work with a lot of different playgrounds. And where we live in Agora Hills, there weren't a whole lot of playgrounds that were accessible. So we decided that if something was going to change, it was going to change because we put forth an effort. So we decided that we were going to redesign our local playground at Morrison Park, which is where we live near in, in Agora Hills. So we went through a couple of different avenues, a change.org petition to see if the community uh, was in favor of it. And they were, and we had a, a ton of signatures. And I started working with the Agora Hills City Council to see if this is something that, that they want to do in the city. And the answer was yes. We eventually partnered with our nonprofit partner, the Rotary Club of Westlake Village. I'm now a, a Rotarian uh, with the organization. And we put together an agreement with the city of Agora Hills. And as of about a month ago, the agreement was approved. So we now have approval from the city of Agora Hills to redesign and fundraise for a brand new inclusive playground. And it's an unbelievable project that we put together. There's no more wood chips. We're using poured in place rubber flooring surface. There are, there's no more step down to get into the playground. Essentially, the rubber flooring is going to be at the same level as the surrounding grass. So you can, right. So you can just walk, wheel, get down to the playground without any transitions, which is a beautiful thing for someone dealing with mobility challenges and issues. Now we're at a completely flat surface. We're gonna be removing all of the existing play equipment, which by the way is 25, 30 years old. It's seen better days. That stuff is, is out, out with the old, in with the new. The new stuff is gonna be awesome. We're gonna have these accessible ramps leading onto this large play structure. We're gonna have sensory panels all over the place. There's gonna be learning boards, a new tots area. There's gonna be musical instruments. There's gonna be uh, balance beams. There's gonna be monkey bars. Monkey bars. There, there's gonna be uh, this really cool new age, it's like merry-go-round that you can climb on. It's called the global motion. This thing is gonna be the crown jewel of our playground. And the beauty of it all is it's going to be entirely 100% accessible and inclusive. It's going to give all kids the ability, no matter typical, disabled, whatever, it's going to give all kids the ability to play together. And, and that's really what we want. And not only do we want it specifically for Skylar, we want it for all the people that are dealing with the same stuff that we are, all the medical mamas out there, all the, the dads dealing with disabled kids, we want to kind of level the playing field and allow our children the ability just to play, just to have a good time without any barriers. And it, it's, it's a beautiful project. It's something that is, um, has been well received because this is for everybody. It's for the community. And, and we're at the point now where we are fundraising which is really exciting. 
and we're out in the community and we're knocking on doors and we're at city sponsored concerts and a park events and we're, we're bringing a lot of awareness to the community and, and, and we're seeing the love, we're feeling the love and it's, it's a wonderful thing. Oh, that is yeah. incredible. Yeah, it, it is incredible. It, it's a lot of work. It's a, it's a lot of hard work. This is an unpaid gig. This is all volunteer. This is us working uh, when we can in the morning, at night, you know, not trying to take away from our normal duties and responsibilities and career. Um, this is an extra. And we've spent the last 18 months putting this together. And we're so excited that now we're able to start fundraising and we're getting closer to the groundbreaking ceremony, which is a wonderful thing. But we got to raise a lot of money. How much That's, mind if I ask, what is the fundraising goal? So playgrounds are not cheap. We'll start off that way. But, and people tell me all the time how much money this is. And I say, this is a community investment. This is something that's a legacy forever project. And it doesn't go away. So once yeah. we, we fundraise and once we build it, it's gonna be there in the community forever. So with that in mind, we are fundraising $500,000 to go to the playground. And uh, it goes to the flooring, the rubber flooring, it goes to the new equipment, it's the removal, it's the installation. And, you know, oftentimes when you do a house remodel, you don't, you spend a lot of money on stuff you don't see, right? Yeah. Like underneath your floors or in your attic space, there's a big chunk of that is going to go into the foundation of the playground itself, where there's multiple bases and there's additional drainage that's needed. So there's infrastructure needs that we have to address as well. So when you add it all up, it's going to be probably slightly under 500,000, but that's the number we're shooting for to, to really make this happen. And we hope that we can bring in enough money where we can actually break ground 2023 sometime next year. And how long will it take? Is it projected to take to actually, once you've broken ground, any ideas? Oh, construction timelines are probably about five months, assuming that all the product is, um, you know, logistics and freight and, you know, the, the, the world's a little crazy right now. So as if, if we can get it all on time, I believe the construction timeline should be around four or five, maybe six months at most. Got it. And so if people do want to contribute to this, what is the best way and do 100% of the donations go to the project? Right, so we partnered with the Rotary Club of Westlake Village and we're, we're essentially using their nonprofit status and their foundation to be a vessel for our um, bank account and accounting. So 100% of all proceeds go directly to this project. And the best way to learn more about it, to donate directly to it, is through our website, morrisonparkplayground.com, where we have a link where you can uh, put in credit card donation. And we also have an avenue if people would like to send in checks. And we're also opening this up not only for individual contributions, but also for corporate sponsorship. We're going to have a wall, uh, a legacy wall of donors that's going to be attached to the, the outside of the, the restroom wall. That's just directly facing the playground. And 
anybody who um, donates $5,000 or more, they get their name or their company on the, uh, the legacy donor wall. We also have playground signage where if a, a corporation individual would like to donate 5,000 or more, that also their logo will go on playground signage. We have a, a robust sponsorship opportunity package that we've put out there on the website. And we have some wonderful news to announce as well. We just received our first large sponsorship donation of $25,000 last week. And we're thrilled that we've been fundraising now for about two and a half, three weeks. And we're about around 30,000 so far. It's a wonderful, it's a great start. We're really thrilled to announce our $25,000 donor. And there's a whole bunch more in the pipeline too. Wow, congratulations, that's huge. Thank you, that's it is huge. huge. Deal. And yeah, we're, we're stoked. And do you guys need representatives to help with the fundraising? Is that like, if somebody's like, look, I don't have the money to donate necessarily, or maybe look, they're gonna throw in a hundred dollars or whatever someone can afford, but they also would like to donate their time. How can they be a part of that process? So every dollar counts, whether it's $5, $10, $100, $1,000. We, we love every single penny that comes through the, the donation website. We're also putting together community involved events. We want the whole community to embrace this. And we realize that not everybody has the means to make a substantial donation. So volunteering hours are really important as well. And we wanna take up everybody that asks, hey, how can I get involved? How, how can I help? We wanna to put together you know, restaurant fundraisers, local businesses to host. Like we just talked to uh, an art studio that wants to do a paint and sip night where a lot of the proceeds go to the playground. We wanna we want to talk to everybody because there's wonderful ideas out there and we want to involve anybody who wants to be involved. We want that community involvement. So we're coming up with a whole host of unique fundraising ideas that we need some assistance on to get these things you know, rolled out. Whether it's you know, uh, a restaurant donating 20 to 30% of the proceeds for that one day, you know, bringing this type of flyer, that type of stuff. And it all adds up. And, and we want, we definitely want community involvement. So if, if people are interested in helping, go to the website, go to the contact us portion. We have a sign up sheet. We're, we're putting up a, we're rebuilding the website a little bit. We're adding a, a volunteer page. So morrisonparkplayground.com. Um, if you want to get involved, that's the best way to contact us. We also have social media on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, and a lot of people reach out to us that way as well. Everyone's welcome. We want, we want to hear from everybody. I love that. That's so great. And I'll link the website and all the information for folks again in the show notes so that people listening can easily get to it and your Instagram handle as well. You know, I just have to say, thank you guys for doing this because I was not aware of the fact that wood chips or the fact that the park you know, I know that park, but any park that steps down, it's a barrier and it's a real challenge. It's not something that somebody thinks about, you know? So for that particular park, are you guys filling in where it steps down? Is that what's happening? Are they pouring concrete there or something? Is that what it is? So the way it works is uh, th there's going to be multiple bases. Once everything is removed, there's going to be multiple layers that are going to be laid underneath the rubber flooring surface and it will lift the playground 
to the point where it's now level and flush with the surrounding grass. So there's not gonna be a need for a ramp to get you into the playground. There will be no ramps to get onto the playground surface, which is the opposite of how it looks now. Right, the, right now the, there's the, ramps. Right now, yeah. right now it's, it's not great. The condition's not wonderful. But the ADA, you know, American with Disability Act, the standards aren't where they should be. So wood chips are actually considered ADA approved, just as sand is too. It's really not ADA approved. It's, it's not ADA accessible. A wheelchair can't maneuver in a sea of wood chips. And a, a child with a walker can't maneuver safely on wood chips. So really the ADA standards, we want them to kind of revise what they are accepting as, uh, you know. That's a different project for a different time. <laughs> but the, the, the moral of the story is the rubber flooring surface allows everybody. And one of the things that we've, we've heard from is that multi-generational aspect as well. So grandma and grandpa, uh, a wounded vet, um, can now be on the playground and don't have to worry about falling because the wood chips are kind of unstable. So it, it allows everybody now onto the playground surface to, to be with their kids, to be with their friends. Or if they have a walker, a lot of older people right. you know, have a rollator or a cane. Right. And that'll give them the stability too. If they're babysitting, you know, if there's hanging out that they can take, you know, the kids to the park as well and feel comfortable. And be an active member, totally right? be an active participant. Right, absolutely. I love that. That is such a great point because that is absolutely a whole other sector of people that can benefit from the project. Right. What do you guys think about the project or the sorry the park in Calabasas that I think has the rubber floors? I think you had mentioned. Didn't you guys like that one park? Forgive me, I forget the name of it. We call it the bump bump park in our house where you know the bump bump slide. It bumps yeah. down. Really fun, by the way. Oh, the, the rolling, rolling, the rolling slide. Yeah. yeah, we'll have one of those. Wow. So, is that an example of a good? Is that a good park? It it was a great park, um, and that park was was funded through donations as well. That took a a, a one million dollar donation to get that one built. One donation. Yeah, spectacular. Where's our donor? <laughs> wow. And and it it really in the area was the best inclusive playground. We, we modeled a lot of what we've done after that one and specifically uh, the Dreamcatcher playground at Old Meadows Park in Thousand Oaks. That one's spectacular as well. Uh, that one was also funded through donations through the Rotary Club. Mm -hmm. So wow. all of these, these big inclusive projects, a lot of times aren't funded through the city by itself. They take someone like uh, Dina Kaplan. Uh, she was the one that founded Brandon's Village in Calabasas. Um, the Dreamcatcher was founded through the Rotary Club, and and Morrison Park Playground is going to be, um, you know, founded by Lindsay and I. And it sometimes it takes a, a family with a disabled child to to bring awareness to the community, and and build something special. Wow. Okay. So 
Well, yes, I do agree, Lindsay. That is another project speaking with the ADA because I feel like to have so many different ad hoc projects, you know, with private donors and, you know, having to kind of do a onesie twosie for a couple, a handful of projects. And it's, you know, a lot of hard work obviously is yeah. so inefficient that I absolutely feel like something bigger does need to happen. And this is an yeah. example as to why it needs to happen. It's 2022, things got to change. I completely agree. This, this is our change. It needs to change and it needs to happen. So that's something I'd like to talk to you about. But, um, you know, the other thing is, is that in a practical sense for parents out there listening, I think that another takeaway here is you just threw out a bunch of parks in our local community. You know, if somebody out there is listening and you plan on throwing a party, a birthday party for your four-year-old, for your five-year-old, whatever your kid is, maybe you think twice about where you have it, you know? Like this is the kind of low hanging fruit that is a practical takeaway. It's free. It's just knowledge. If you are hosting a party and you have friends or family members that could benefit from this kind of an environment, maybe choose, you know, choose wisely, be aware of that stuff. Right. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. So we invited you guys to our Nerf. Uh, my son had a Nerf Wars party. And I was like, oh, I want them to come. I want Skylar to come. And then I went, wait a minute, is he going to be able to participate? And then is he going to feel bad if he can't? So then I kind of went back and forth. I'm like, well, I really want them to come. And so I started thinking and I'm like, well, why can't I do like a sensory station? And by the way, he's not going to be the only child that doesn't feel like doing Nerf. And why do I know that is because my daughter, we went to one of those parties and she kind of got bored of it and wanted to do something else. So <laughs> It kind of pushed me and I kind of was trying to push myself and I went and I went to um, Michael's and they had a box. It was kind of expensive. It was probably like $50, which I was thinking, why is this $50? But it, I got like two or three of them, these boxes, and it had, you know, all different sensory stuff that could, and again, it could also be for the younger kids perhaps. And for a number that, you know, the more I started thinking through it, I'm like, oh, this is a great chance for me to kind of think creatively about my party and I can do it in a way where it's really inclusive and it's not just inclusive for the Skylers of the world, but also for maybe the younger kids that, you know, and I guess I'm just trying to draw up examples of, for people of how can you help? This is how you can help. Being yeah. inclusive is how you can help. Think about things, you know, from the lens of not just yourself and think about, you know, if this were my child, like what would make this you know, easier for us and more enjoyable. And I just think that there's a lot of low hanging fruit here that people, you know, we're all so caught up in our own selves that they don't even take a pause to think twice about this. And, um, that really needs to change. So, um, is there any other, like, I guess from that, from that lens, is there anything else like in a very practical way that you can think of, um, you know, that you would like people to know? I mean, I think just treating everyone the same. Don't treat Skylar different because he's a little different, you know, treat him like one of the other guys, one of the other kids, you know, I saw a meme this morning and I actually shared it to my Instagram story. And it said, it said disabled students or people deserve friends who like them as humans, not just because they're disabled. Right. And it's so true. Like, I want someone to like Skylar because he's funny and he's silly and he's goofy 
not because he's disabled and like someone feels bad for him mm-hmm. like he's a cool kid get to know him if you don't want to it's your loss not his totally I love that you know just kindness goes a very long way especially when they're young yeah because you can teach a lot of kids wonderful traits when they're young and then they learn it and then they move on with the rest of their life and they still practice kindness because they were in school with a kid that was different and sometimes it's just the exposure with the younger kids or the exposure that the parent provides the children and and that makes a world of difference I agree. And I think it shows them the color of the real world and it makes it normal. Like again, my best friend having her younger brother, Ryan, who, you know, was disabled. He he's been in my life since third grade. And I mean, I know him for him, like you're saying, like for his, who he is, like, I know a lot about him. Like he's, you know, I treat him just like I treat anybody else. And I don't define him just by that. Like, yes, that's, it's like a, oh yeah. And it's like the afterthought. You know, he happens to also have these issues, these physical issues, which I do actually respect him a lot further because I see how much he's had to fight to get to where he is. He has his master's degrees degree. He, you know, works in Washington, DC and lives on his own, even though he's legally blind and can't walk, can never drive and so on and so forth. But, you know, when I think of him, it's not about that. It's about who he is, that he's funny, that he's smart, that he's kind and all these things that I know about him because it's normal, right? Like from the beginning, I've had that exposure. Um, And maybe that's why I'm not afraid to ask about, you know, what's happening with Skylar and like, tell me about how you're feeding him. I've never seen that. And like, I see that, you know, I see his big giant smile and I want my kids to be around someone like that. Like, you know, he seems like a great guy and I see he's also in baseball. Is that right? He did. He was in T-ball and he loved it. How was that? How did you guys navigate that? Well, kids just want to be like other kids and he wants to mimic what his peers are doing. And we've, we've known for a while that he's interested in sports and you have to pick the right sport when you're dealing with some of these challenges and T-ball just made a lot of sense. And we put him in a division where he's the oldest kid. So maybe he's five. So he was in T-ball with three and four-year-olds. So it helped him kind of keep up, you know, so to speak, but we started practicing at home, how to swing a bat, how to hold the bat. We, we took those same principles and we brought them to therapy. So physical therapists and occup- occupational therapists started working on his baseball swing and how to put his hand in his, a mitt. We had another therapist that kind of made a, a mitt more adaptive. So we brought our entire therapist team on board and said, this is, this is what we want to do. And we'd like you to kind of help them work on it. So when it comes to practice and when it comes to games, you know, we'll start really seeing improvement. And there was a huge difference between game one and the final game of the season. It was just night and day, totally noticeable. He had made so many strides. And um, and he had so much fun. It wasn't like the parent forcing the kid to play the sport. He cried when we left, like he didn't want to stop. Um, he didn't even probably realize that he wasn't as good or couldn't run after the ball, but he could hit the ball and he had the biggest smile 
and he did get faster and he had so much fun. It's like, we didn't want it to end because it like, it brought so much joy to like, oh, we have a game on Saturday. We have to be somewhere like all these other parents who have, you know, all their kids' schedules take up their lives, take up their weekends. And we finally could feel that. And it was awesome. But he enjoyed it. And that's what made it so special. It wasn't us forcing him to do something to feel typical. He just, he looked, he looked, he can't say that he looks forward to it, but I know that when the weekend came and it was time to go and he'd see his uniform, he just got so happy. And, and all the, all the parents and coaches from our Agora Pony baseball team, they were all super supportive. They were rooting for him every at bat. Everybody knew uh, he had cerebral palsy. Everybody knew that he was different. They all saw us feed him. You know, we, we would talk about it. We bring it up in conversations and everybody was so supportive and it made, it made it easy because we felt like we were in a, a loving situation. We felt like we were in the right place. You just, you felt a part of a team. Yeah. You didn't feel like an outsider. Yeah. Sitting on the sidelines. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah. it was incredible. And, incredible. and we, we look forward to fall ball with a uh, Agora pony yeah. because now, now we're hooked. Yeah. We drank the juice. <laughs> <laughs> that is so important. I love it. Oh God. I knew I was going to cry a little bit. I've been pretty good guys. I still have the postpartum hormones as well, but I'm also sensitive. Oh, yeah. So I just, you know, I sit here and I listen to you guys and I see what you're doing. And I just think, oh my gosh, that little boy is so lucky that he has you both as parents. I mean, I know you didn't ask for this journey, but the way you're handling it is, I mean, the most classy, just, there's just, I don't even have the words to describe, you know, what kind of parents you really are. I mean, the character you guys have and for you guys to lean in as hard as you are and just overcome the adversity together as partners, which I'm sure is not easy. I know half the time, you know, Brian and I in stressful situations as a partner raising children at any time can be very stressful. <laughs> um, I just have so much respect for you guys. And, uh, you know, I love that you're bringing Skylar the joy that he deserves, right? Like, and to have the joy of being a kid and uh, wow, you're just incredible, really incredible. Um, Okay. Well, with that, I'm going to go ahead and just wrap and just say, thank you guys so much for joining me. And I can't wait to help you fundraise, to contribute where I can, where our restaurants can and really get the word out there. So hopefully folks can share this podcast that has your website, all of the information, your Instagram, and really just get the word out. Let's do it. You know, I mean, look, I was on the school board this year and we're always doing fundraisers. If any of you guys listening, you're part of a school, which many of us are, you know, maybe partner and propose something to the board for a fundraiser. I know I'm already thinking restaurants, like you said, any small business, Anything you guys can think of, let's bring the ideas forward and get the, the $500,000 raised. Yeah. Every dollar it. counts. That's right. Well, Every dollar counts. That's right. It does. It does. Okay. Well, Lindsay and Ryan, thank you so much. And Skylar, the fighter, thank you. That little guy, he's such a cutie pie. I can't wait to see him and his big smile. And yeah, thank you guys again for being on. Yeah.
Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Kimberly. All right, that is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram at Kimberly Lovey and let me know your thoughts about today's show. You can screenshot this episode and let us know what your biggest takeaway was and tag me at Kimberly Lovey and we can share it on our stories. I will see you again, same time, same place next week. <laughs>